Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to the Love Fest. That is Tell Me Everything. We're so glad you're with us. Chris Lehman's going to be with us tonight. He's the D.C. Bureau Chief for The Nation magazine, and he's been writing nothing but powerful pieces lately, uh, which I think will be of keen interest to you. One of them is, of course, about Ron DeSantis's incredibly short-sighted and stupid handling of the migrant situation in Florida, and yet another about Donald Trump's allure with Christian nationalists and his embrace of QAnon. Uh, and there's a lot to talk about tonight in terms of that. Comedian Rhonda Handsome joins us in the third hour. Hello to everybody who's listening live, our evil army of the night. This one's for you. Please be part of the conversation. Call in with your threats, with your jokes. Uh, Go easy on the jokes, some of you, but you know. Um, And of course, if you uh, never listen, you know, if you never call in rather, but you like to listen, maybe tonight's the night you want to call in and weigh in on the uh, rant of the evening. Tonight's F word is going to be all about the F word, fascism. So please let us know your thoughts. Also, um, hello to everybody, our day walkers listening on the app, on Sirius XM On Demand, and on the John Fugelsang podcast. We love y'all. I know you don't like to call in live during the evenings. You've got better things to do. I get it. But you're always welcome to send us uh, either a, uh, an email through our show's Facebook page or com, and we'd love to read your comments on the air and include you in our conversation. And then you can wake up and hear us talking about you. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer. He is running this thing from South Carolina. Thea is still away. Who's with us tonight, Chris? Who is helping us run the show this evening, keeping this thing from falling off the rails into the abyss and as many other metaphors as I can mix? Nico is back. I'll tell you what a gentleman Nico is. He puts up with all of the puts up with us as well. So when you call, you might get to talk to Nico. Please treat him with respect. He's dealing with a lot of folks tonight, including perhaps a lot of uh, Trump MAGA Christian trolls, because I'm inviting all of the Trump MAGA Christian. What do you call them? Do You call them Christian nationalists? Do you call them right-wing Christians, the Christian right, Christian fundamentalists? I, I call them grab them by the pussy evangelicals. Because here's the thing, you revoltingly false blasphemers. Uh, you can't follow both Trump and Jesus, okay? The only way you can do that is if you haven't read either of their books. The only thing Trump and Jesus have in common, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Number one, they spent a lot of time with prostitutes. Number two, they both use ghostwriters. And that's it. That's all y'all got. And I told a joke earlier today, just saying how it's going to be so awkward for the rapture Christian nationalism folk when Jesus does come back and he's a homeless, brown-skinned liberal who speaks no English, because that's what he is in the Bible. So twitchy, twitch, whatever that that malcontented jackal hole is, printed it. And so we're getting these attacks from the Christian right all day, which I love. I invite the grappin' by the pussy evangelicals. I invite all of you who use Jesus as a cynical prop because your actual messiah is a bloated racist landlord from Queens who hasn't seen his own dick since the early 90s. Please, 
please do call up and uh, let's talk scripture. We love to hear from you guys. Uh, I promise I'll be nicer to you than Trump is to anyone else. 866-997-4748. We love it when right-wing Christians call and tell us why it's possible to be a Christian and support Trump. It's fantastic when y'all want to actually quote scripture and educate me. I'd love to hear it. Really would, because we're going to cover that this evening in the rant. But first, thank you to everybody who came out to the show in Chicago this weekend. Chris, we had a good time. What a house. Beautiful theater. It was so far underground. It was like a military bomb shelter. It was so this beautiful theater, uh, the Harris, and I'd never played it before in Chicago. We played the Chicago theater several times. We played the Athenaeum a couple times, but it turns out the Athenaeum, the last time we played there with Margaret show, we did a great show there in 18 for the, uh, the blue wave midterms. And then they wouldn't let us come back. The Catholic church, it turns out bought the Athenaeum in the subsequent years. And they demanded a video of what the show was with some clips. And the Catholic church did not want our business. And so I'm competing with Stephanie Miller. Yeah. They wouldn't have us back at the beautiful Athenaeum theater. I'm like, I got Margaret show there for you assholes. They didn't care. Jan Schakowsky was there. Jill Weinbeck. They didn't care. So uh, (laughs) I'm hoping I'm the reason and not Stephanie, because if Stephanie's the reason she's going to brag about it, I want me to be the reason they didn't let us back in there. Um, Because I have this crazy thing I do with the Bible, which is uh, citing it correctly when it pertains to current events. So great show tonight. Uh, Chris Lehman will be here as again. I said, Rhonda's going to be here. Um, One last thing. Uh, Thank you to all the great audience. Even Mitch from Kent State was there. Chris, Mitch came to the show. He brought swag from Kent State for me. It was so nice. I told him, I said, you know, my wife's not a fan of Kent State, but she she loves civilian massacres. So pile it on. And and okay. so we got it. A um, lot of great audience members, people I hadn't seen. I hadn't been to Chicago since before the pandemic. And I'm telling you, it was like going to D.C. for the first time since the pandemic. When there's cities that you go to a lot and then you don't see them for years. And it's like my heart just opened up. The city looked beautiful. The weather was great. The audiences were hot. John Cusack came to the show. He hung out backstage. I tried to coax him on stage for the panel. He knows Jan Schakowsky. Um, and he came and he watched my set. And, you know, he just wanted to talk about politics. And he's going to do the show. Did you know John Cusack's political? Did you all know that? You know, have you ever been on Twitter before? Yeah. He's very political and very outspoken for someone of his level of celebrity. And uh, he was a complete prince. He's going to do a special with us on the show, Chris. And Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky was there. She's amazing. I thanked her for getting so much done in Congress. And I was on stage with Stephanie Miller, Frangela, Jill Weinbanks, and Jan Schakowsky. I was like, okay, women, will you please fucking take over already? The world needs it. When yes. John Cusack is on, I hope that all we talk about is what is considered to be his definitive film at this point. What do you consider that to be? Because I think it's changed. I think that he, I, I think that maybe it's gross point blank. Hmm. Some would say it's uh, the movie version of High Fidelity by a friend of the show, Nick Hornby. Oh, maybe, maybe. I guess what I was getting I mean, at was that I, I think that he outgrew, finally, his legacy outgrew his teen movies. But I think it was. Oh, I think so as well. I mean, I think yeah, it was the definitely. spearing of it by Gross Point Blank that really put it to to rest. And that movie, I think, has, I think Bullets Over Broadway. I think Bullets Over Broadway had a lot to do with that. Uh, he was great playing the Woody Allen role in one of Woody Allen's best films. I think his performance in Clint Eastwood's Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil helped do that as well. Even Con Air, you know, it's funny because yeah. you're talking yeah. about Bernie with him, and you're just thinking, "Oh my God, Eight Men Out! I loved you in that." Yeah. It's a pretty pretty wide resume, yeah. Someone said that he was the the greatest actor, one of the greatest actors who never had an Oscar nomination. And when you go through all the great films he's done. So I said, to come on the show, we'll talk about just craft and politics. That's it. I want to talk like half an hour about filmmaking, half an hour about politics. And uh, I said, let's do it in person. So we'll do it in New York or L.A. We'll figure that out. Uh, Also, NASA has shown America leads the world at smashing stuff into other stuff. We'll talk about that. Uh, We wish a, a very, very peaceful and wonderful Rosh Hashanah to everybody out there and near final results from Italy's general election show that our friends over there are ready to have their most right-wing government in decades. Giorgia Meloni, she who leads the brothers of Italy, not at all a scary name for a political movement. Uh, It looks like she's going to become the prime minister. She'll be Italy's first far right led government since world war II. Per tanti anni, facendo magari finta che la pensavano in maniera diversa, se no sarebbero stati tutti cacciati. Yeah, she doesn't sound fascist to me at all. 
She's trying to reassure EU leaders she'll be a center-right pragmatist, and she may find she has to be. But she has a history of defending far-right leaders. She's stood up for Viktor Orban in the past. Her party has fascist roots. And, you know, the Brothers of Italy is a party descended from the remnants of fascism. And she, she got the election by just bashing who? Existential outsiders like migrants and European Union and, ready, international bankers. Jewy, Jew, 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 Jew. Hungary's got a fascist leader. Sweden's far-right party uh, is now in power. Italy now has a fascist. 80 years after World War II, we're seeing fascism rise all across Europe. And it's trying, trying to rise here. I mean, if polls are right, the right wing is in power in Italy weeks after they won in Sweden. And this could be a trend. Conservatives who are actually fascists, you know, need to define the choices, us versus them, right? That's every fascist campaign. It's us versus them. It's you normal people versus the elites or the swarthy foreigners because they all hate us. And from Brazil to Hungary, this is the playbook. They use this to strike fear into the hearts of marginalized people everywhere and get the support of scared people they're not actually supporting. But how do we know what is and is not fascism? Where do you draw the line on this? This is tonight's topic, and I want you to tell me what, what you think, how you define it. We know that fascist regimes have, you know, constantly patriotic mottos and the slogans and the symbols and the songs and the flags. And in January of 2017, you might have seen this famous image. It was hanging in the wall of the U.S. Holocaust Museum, the 14 early signs of fascism. It's very interesting. Lawrence Britt wrote about the common signs of fascism in 2003 after researching Hitler's Nazi Germany, Mussolini's Italy, Franco's Spain, Salazar's Portugal, Papadopoulos's Greece, Pinochet's Chile, and of course, uh, Suharto's Indonesia. Powerful and continuing nationalism, disdain for human rights, identification of enemies as a unifying cause. As I'm saying this, click off how many you think the far right in America embodies. Supremacy of the military rampant sexism, controlling mass media, religion and government are intertwined. There's an obsession constantly with national security. Corporate power is always protected. Labor is always suppressed or marginalized. There's disdain for intellectuals and the arts, obsession with crime and punishment, rampant cronyism and corruption, fraudulent elections. Does any of that sound familiar? And even dare I say recent to you guys, where does Trump come down? on the fascist spectrum powerful and continuing nationalism okay like okay so so this is like a big populist fake rejection of the status quo talking about global elites are imposing on the international system i mean trump was talking about this in 2017 in houston and he was saying use that word use that word nationalism he was proud of it radical democrats want to turn back the clock restore the rule of corrupt power hungry globalists you know what a globalist is right he said that globalist means Jewish banker is what it means for these folks. But Trump is always promising to put America first, always extolling the virtues of ordinary Americans and always selling the glory days of when we were a greater power. Disdain for human rights. Trump's all over that. I mean, he used military power to suppress peaceful political protest. He totally inspired his base with all the dog whistles from the birtherism to calling the Mexicans rapists and criminals. He attacked four women of color in Congress who had very diverse backgrounds and were all American citizens. And he said they should go back where they came from. He keeps talking about his winning genes. Remember that? I'm proud to have that German blood. How about identification of enemies as a unifying cause? I mean, we see that all the time, right? People are rallied into a patriotic frenzy to unify them all because there's a common enemy encroaching on all of us. It's maybe it's Muslims. Maybe it's immigrants. Maybe it's the media. Maybe it's Democrats. Here is Trump from this rally this weekend in North Carolina, projecting his own desires and his own illegalities onto his favorite target. As we have seen in recent years, our opponents have shattered every principle of justice, ransacked every institution, what? abused what? every power and unleashed every weapon of the deep state, the fake news media. And there they are right there. They're so fake. Look how many. Look how many there are. Oh. Common enemy. Cause. And the Silicon Valley censors all to try and stop us, but it's not going to be easy to stop us because there's many, many more of us than there are of them. I mean, supremacy of the military, that's a tricky one. I'm actually going to give Trump a mulligan on that one because let's be honest, that was happening long before Trump came along. Our military has always given a hugely disproportionate amount of government funding. 
we've glamorized soldiers and military service long before Trump. I mean, Bush and Bush senior far more guilty of this than Donald. I, I don't mind being fair to Trump. He praises the troops all the time, which every politician does. He did propose various times uh, violent militaristic solutions to problems against the Islamic State or fire and fury against North Korea. He he did recommend we should have stolen the oil from the Middle East. Um, that would have required a lot of army and death. But in fairness, Trump doesn't go around casually talking about military action. Um, and he often goes after his rivals for saying that they're too militaristic. He did, though, schedule an entire military parade in adoration of himself. Remember that? July 4th, 2019. Uh, two and a half million diverted by the National Park Service just to have a parade for himself. The one he originally wanted had a budget of 92 million. Rampant sexism. I mean, you know, he appointed some women to his cabinet, but you can't deny that rampant sexism helped get him elected. Controlled mass media? Well, yeah. I mean, he had three different cable news networks that were pretty much constant propaganda outfits promoting his lies as truth. Donald Trump, I would say, has controlled the most powerful propaganda machine in the history of this country. He thinks he can outlaw speech that's critical of him. He calls the free press the enemy of the people, right? He said the Times and the Post were a disgrace to our country. John Bolton said that Trump wanted to uh, execute journalists. Obsession with national security? Yeah, but that's not just Trump. That's every Republican president we've had. Religion and government intertwined. That's a big one for me. Um, that's what I talk about quite a bit. Governments often use the most common religion in their nation as a tool to manipulate public opinion in every society. And religious messages and terminology are very common from government leaders. Uh, Democrats do it as well, but they don't go. I, I'm sorry, I'll say this again. Democrats, generally speaking, are light years closer to the teachings of the Nazarene in the Bible. Christian nationalism is not about love or helping the less fortunate. Christian nationalism is all about power and power going to the right people to make sure we fulfill our almighty covenant with God that we made up. Democracy is about sharing power. Christian nationalism does not have a place in a democracy. A recent study Time Magazine covered that found Americans who embrace Christian nationalism are across the boards more likely to deny that voter suppression is a problem. They believe it's too easy to vote in the U.S. They believe voter fraud is rampant. They support having to pass a civics test. In order to vote, and of course, they support laws that would make it impossible for people who committed certain crimes to ever vote again. So, yeah, corporate power protected. <laughs> yes, again, that was here long before Trump. Mussolini said fascism should more appropriately be called corporatism because it is a merger of state and corporate power. The fascist corporate state, the alliance between political leaders on the right and then a handful of ultra rich, ultra powerful oligarchs or companies that dominate the economy, and the culture. Now, it's true, Trump was at odds with a lot of this, but he also cozied up to big money, and that is the GOP way. He gave them the biggest tax cut they've ever had that they didn't need. And they estimated that uh, seven of Donald Trump's cabinet picks combined were worth $11 billion. Labor, labor power suppressed. Did Trump do that? Well, he rolled back workers' protections. He proposed budgets to slash funding for agencies that look out for workers' rights and wages and safety. He is very against abilities to collectively bargain. Trump's Department of Labor stopped millions of workers from getting overtime pay because they wouldn't defend the Obama overtime rule in 2016. They made their own weaker overtime rule. About 8 million workers who could have benefited from Obama's policy got left behind. And the National Labor Relations Board under Trump rolled back workers' rights under the National Labor Relations Act in so many ways. I mean, they, they went after overturning existing worker protections, narrowing the joint employer standard under the NLRA, obstructing workers' right to fair union elections. So, yes, disdain for intellectuals in the arts. Uh, again, that's been the GOP for a long time. But Donald Trump, yeah, he tried to axe National Endowment for the Arts and the Humanities, which funds NPR and PBS. He wanted to, but they all do. Obsession with crime and punishment? I alone can fix it. Rampant cronyism and corruption? I mean, look at firing Sally Yates. Replacing officials who won't follow illegal orders is a step towards fascism, folks. And he seemed to believe our government was owned by him and that he could fire anybody for defending the law. He fired the FBI director, the deputy FBI director. He fired five inspectors general and U.S. attorneys, all because they were investigating or considering his abuse of power. Or his friends. He violated the emoluments clause. He hired his kids, let them skirt security checks. Fraudulent elections? Well, save the best for last. He can't stop lying about voter fraud. He's on tape committing voter fraud in Georgia. 
and he did everything he could to use emergency powers to try to seize control. He used federal prosecutorial powers to investigate his opponents and anybody who dared to scrutinize him. After Mueller and the investigation, they tried to have a criminal probe into the origins of the inquiry, the Durham probe, which is still sitting there counting ceiling tiles to investigate the investigators. He tried to get the DOJ to prosecute Comey and Hillary Clinton. He kept suggesting he'd stay in office after a second term. And he tried to get a second term when the voters had rejected him. And he thinks he had the power to do whatever he wants. I have an article two where I have the right to do whatever I want as president. Absolute right to do what I want with the Justice Department. The absolute right to pardon myself. Here he is, incredibly high at his own supply. This is Trump calling the withdrawal from Afghanistan the most humiliating moment in American history before claiming he could have stopped the Russia-Ukraine war. What happened in Afghanistan, in my opinion, was the greatest humiliation that our country has ever seen. I don't believe we've ever seen humiliation like that, Ted Budd. You're not going to let that happen. I don't think we've ever had humiliation like what happened in Afghanistan. And now we have a war between Russia and Ukraine with potentially hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people dying that would never have happened if I was president. Would have, wouldn't have happened. I dealt with Putin. What? I got along great with Putin. What? He wouldn't have done it. But I guarantee you he wouldn't have done it. And he didn't do it for four years. There wasn't soldiers built up on the border, nothing. He wouldn't have done it. Didn't do it. Somebody said, well, he might have done it. I said, well, he didn't do it for four years. Okay, so again, here's all you need to know. You don't really need these 14 descriptors that the Holocaust Museum posted about signs of fascism. You just need to look at January 6, 2021, when his supporters, at his urging, attacked the U.S. Capitol and injured over 50 cops, two people left dead, and the police side, four rioters dead as well. It's a leader cult. That's what fascists want. They look to a leader who's bold and decisive, who's uncompromising, who's cruel. That's manly. Because, hey, it, it, it's, it's scary. We, we need someone with those qualities. That's how Mussolini did it. That's how Hitler did it. Except they were veterans of the First World War. And they exploited their military service and tried to polish their images as these rulers who were beholden to no one, right? El Fuhrer, Il Duce, the MAGA king. This is what Trump did. Instead of military service, he offered his business experience that he had decisive leadership because of that time he fired Little John on Celebrity Apprentice. And he claims to channel the common man, which is the same thing all these fascists do. I mean, let's give him credit. He never tried to imprison or murder his political opponents. He talked about it, never got around to doing it. So what do you think? Is the F word unfair? I really want to know. Are we throwing the word fascist around? When Obama was president, I didn't like to say the word racist because I thought liberals were throwing it around too casually. After birtherism, I'll never feel that way again. I distinguish racism from institutionalized bigotry. Trump did both. But fascism, I'm not afraid to talk about it. The signs are there. And I'll defend Trump when he's, you know, not clicking one of the 14 categories because he doesn't meet every standard of fascism. But have we had a leader who hits more? What do you guys think? We're at 866-997-GRIT. We're going to take a quick break and come right back with your calls on the subject. Let me quote FDR. The liberty of a democracy is not safe if the people tolerated the growth of private power to a point where it becomes stronger than the democratic state itself. That, in its essence, is fascism. Ownership of government by an individual, a group, or any controlling private power. I'm not saying the whole GOP is fascist, but Donald Trump is the hood ornament on the Nazi clown car. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. 
Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to SiriusXM Progress. Quick reminder, if you enjoyed last week's interviews with uh, Julian Lennon or Ken Burns, you can catch those on the John Fuglesang podcast or on the app or SiriusXM On Demand. We recommend them very highly. Coming up this Friday, Michael Cohen. Yes, that Michael Cohen. Don't miss. You know, there's reports now in the New York Times that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' stunt to send migrants to Martha's Vineyard privately has really upset Governor Greg Abbott and his team because, um, like officials in Massachusetts, they were given no warning this stunt was going to happen, and they watched the spotlight totally shift away from Greg Abbott being incredibly shitty to migrants who've broken no laws, and suddenly Ron DeSantis is taking all the credit for being unspeakably cruel to migrants who've broken no laws. The Times report Mr. DeSantis grabbed the attention of right-wing America using Mr. Abbott's tactic on Mr. Abbott's turf to bigger and more dramatic effect. Boy, I hate it when the fascists can't stop trying to one-up each other in my country. And that's why I'm so grateful we've got the great Chris Lehman, who is D.C. Bureau Bureau Chief for the Nation, to join us. Uh, You may have read his stuff in the past and everything from New York Magazine to Newsday. Uh, He's the author of The Money Cult, Capitalism, Christianity, and the Unmaking of the American Dream, one of my favorite subjects, as well as Rich People Things, Real Life Secrets of the Predator Class. Chris Lehman, welcome to SiriusXM. Thanks, John. It's a real pleasure to be here. Despite the subject. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know what? It's I think it's actually more important. I was doing this big show in D.C. over the weekend and we had uh, Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky on stage and all of us Congress, all of us comedians and, and Jill Weinbanks and everyone's talking Trump, Trump, Trump. And at some point I kept saying, can we please shift away from Trump? Because yeah. the fascism clown car has a new hood ornament. And I think Ron DeSantis is a much greater threat to democracy and all of us than Donald Trump is at this point. Yeah, now DeSantis is disciplined. He came up in the uh, Freedom Caucus, which was the Tea Party extremist um, movement in the House. Um, And, you know, as we've seen with this latest episode, um, he's ruthless um, and is, you know, incredibly ambitious. Uh, It's funny that Times piece you mentioned, there is this sort of race to the bottom on the right now um, in advance of the 2024 presidential cycle. Um, and let's not not to bring Donald Trump back into the picture, but let's not forget that Donald Trump was also pissed off at Ron DeSantis for uh, taking his idea. Because remember, this this whole notion of uh, moving immigrants around the country to overtax um, support systems originated with Trump immigrant advisor, immigration advisor, uh, Stephen Miller, um, That's who uh, proposed doing this to sanctuary cities as a kind of political payback move and, you know, to create the same sort of, um, you know, of outrage um, and attention that uh, DeSantis was aiming for. What's interesting is, you know, I live in D.C. and uh Abbott has been busing undocumented immigrants over several months uh, with, again, unannounced, without any support plans, et cetera, to Washington. And, you know, mostly there's, you know, there's been some scrambling to provide support, but there there hasn't been this kind of, um, you know, all, all these stunts seem calculated to create, you know, chaos and outrage and to make liberal um, political leaders act as though they are, um, you know, these same asshole Republicans. <laughs> and it just yeah. isn't happening. Well, we saw right. that in Martha's Vineyard, uh, which, which, first of all, it was aimed at the Democratic donor class who summers up there after the summer was over. <laughs> so like the target audience had left the House. And, uh, and the it's people, a state with uh, a Republican uh, governor, a Republican governor state as well. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and the people at Martha's Vineyard, you know, welcomed all of these new arrivals, despite the fact there was no advance notice, as as you noted. And, you know, at one point, the Edgartown Police Department tweeted out um, an announcement saying, look, you can't drop uh, any more supplies off at the shelter because, you know, they're they're full up. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it reminds you, you mentioned, you know, uh, the <clears throat> 
um, bad comedy aspect of this. It reminds me of insult comics who are just over and over again, hammering away at the same stupid joke and looking at the crowd yeah. and saying, are you offended yet? Are you offended yet? And and the answer is no. Exactly. <laughs> you know? um, mm -hmm. It's also- Are you not entertained? Yeah. Um, you know, and Massachusetts right now is, you know, facing a, a tight labor market and they, you know, basically are saying, bring, bring us more. Um, you know, so it's a misreading of the well, conditions the, on the ground. Well, I mean, you, you, you make a good point because there's so many layers to the hypocrisy here. I mean, they're not yeah. calling to incarcerate the Americans dangling all the jobs, which is what leads to all the border crossings, because we got a big help wanted sign at our border. You know, they say Biden did the same thing, but Biden never lied about migrants, about housing and jobs to trick them onto planes. Biden no. never flew migrants around without telling officials on the ground, hey, there's a plane coming. And Biden never used covid relief funds to move right. migrants to states he hates and 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 biden you know doesn't do it for uh, racist votes but you nail yeah. all this in your new piece in the nation desantis's contempt for immigrants makes him politically stupid you say that it's going to backfire on him big time i think you're right but tell me what inspired you to write this piece well, it, it, you know, in part, it's a side effect of living here in Washington, where there is a sort of pundit class that is just conditioned to greet everything as a tactical move and sort of, you know, stroke their chins and lean back and say, oh, this is really savvy. This is going to produce, you know, this side effect in this target constituency. And at some point, you just have to recognize that things are stupid <laughs> and things are also immoral, obviously, and, and uh, you know, unconscionable. Um, and you don't get to triangulate that shit. You know, it's, it's not a game. These are real people and real people's lives are being objectively harmed. And, you know, it is cruelty. Um, it is also, I think, illegal. Um, you know, um, yes. uh, there's a class action suit being brought against DeSantis on, on behalf of these Venezuelan immigrants. And, uh, you know, the sheriff of San Antonio, where they were recruited, is launching a criminal investigation. Um, there is pretty, I interviewed uh, a Boston immigration attorney, a great guy named Matt Cameron, who uh, said, look, you know, you're enticing people, you know, they, they printed up brochures specifically for this stunt that promised yes. these people jobs and support. Uh, these were actual benefits that the state of Massachusetts extends to people who are refugees, but these were not refugees. These were asylum seekers. Correct. And they entitled so, they, these so again, they've broken zero laws, right? Zero laws broken. No laws. They're in and the they country. Even in the state of, and yeah. they're not in the state of Florida. They're in another state. So he used COVID relief funds that he had opposed right. to fly people from another state to yeah. a different state <laughs> with the Republican governor on a private jet, merely for his own self-aggrandizement, because he cynically believes that the crueler you can be to this generation's acceptable, hated, marginalized class, the more strong you look in the eyes of the base. Now, I don't know who this won over to Ron DeSantis that he didn't already have, unless it seems like he's really deliberately going after Trump. But I was talking about Ronald Reagan earlier and his, you know, refusal to condemn apartheid. But one thing I'll say about Ronald Reagan, um, you can watch the debates of he and George Bush in 1980 running for president. And it's like they're beating each other up to show who can be the more compassionate. Or welcoming immigrants. It's really true. It's quite Reagan said amnesty. He, Reagan used the term open borders. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing how much it's deteriorated in 40 years. Donald Trump doesn't get all the credit for this. No. No, I, you know, this backlash has been brewing uh, for a long time on the right. And I think, um, you know, the fact that John McCain, the, the sort of um, Republicans that uh, right wingers love to hate, was trying to broker an immigration deal in their um, early aughts, you know, made yeah. it an attractive target for these kind of operators. Um, and, you know, there is just a lot of overt racism on the right that is always seeking an outlet. Um, and, you know, Trump did have the, the kind of, you know, I don't want to call it, you know, perspicacity or anything, but he he did, you know, kind of mind meld with that part of the right wing id um, and, you know, galvanized all this xenophobia. But again, it's short sighted. The other thing to note is, you know, these are immigrants from Venezuela, which is an authoritarian government, but it does lean left. And. 
DeSantis, you know, has this big Cuban-American uh, constituency in Florida. There's also a significant Venezuelan constituency um, that both lean right. And they're really pissed off about this because, you know, at some point, you know, this is perhaps wishful thinking in some ways on my part. But, you know, people do recognize a level of, of just amoral cynicism for what it is and want, you know, people's yes. basic humanity affirmed. And this, you know, I mean, this is so outlandish that Jared Kushner denounced it. Like when, when you have lost yeah. Jared Kushner, oh, you're yeah. in real moral twilight, I would argue. <laughs> well, but again, Jared Kushner is no different from Ron DeSantis in that everything he says is in the service of his own image. It's, it's, I mean, Jared yeah, Kushner didn't really have any human rights concerns when we were stealing children or having involuntary oh, no, hysterectomies yeah. on migrant women. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting you, you bring up Trump because we just heard, uh, some, you know, have you have you heard that Maggie Haberman has all these stories she's been sitting on for yes. a couple of years, sir? <laughs> uh, we're yeah. hearing these revelations the that class. Trump is yes. walking around Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Well, the, the revelations now that Trump is walking around Mar-a-Lago, openly disparaging Ron DeSantis, mocking his weight, calling him overweight. And I couldn't help but think, Mr. Lehman, we know those things because someone chose to leak that Trump is saying those things. I'm sure he says it all the time. But if it's in our media today, someone in the inner circle is chosen. And, and I'm wondering what you think are the prospects of a real rift between DeSantis and Trump, because I, I'm of the belief now oh. that it might be the best hope for democracy if these two can be turned well, against I, I think that rift, yeah, is already sort of underway. Like I said, you know, Trump was initially annoyed that Santos was stealing his thunder with this. Um, and yeah, no, Trump definitely regards DeSantis as a threat. And as we know, anytime he regards anything as a threat, he his instinct is to lash out. Remember, he, you know, his political and business mentor was Roy Cohn, the, the great enabler of Joe McCarthy, yes. who was every bit as venal, every bit as, you know, vicious and low minded as Trump and the Trump wing of the Republican Party. So, yeah, I think you're going to see. And Trump is also right now feeling cornered by the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago and cornered by the New York AG uh, lawsuit against his, you know, corrupt business interests in New York. So, yeah, there's there is mm -hmm. going to be sort of like the, you know, cornered animal effect with with Trump in yes. the, the weeks to come. And, and as you point out so ably in your excellent piece in The Nation, uh, DeSantis may soon find himself on the receiving end of his own fire, because I, I think you're right. This is going to backfire very hard among people who aren't racist right wing fans of DeSantis already. He, he's already alienated. <laughs> I mean, Disney employs 77,000 people in that state and DeSantis <laughs> only won by yeah, 30,000 yeah. votes. But he, as you as you point out, and and Ellie was Ellie Mustala was pointed out as well. Th this may have been a federal kidnapping case. I mean, they misled these people onto a plane with false promises, and and right. you point out that the irony could be that, as you say, by going to such extraordinary lengths to dramatize the alleged threat of runaway undocumented immigration, DeSantis may actually end up expediting this group of asylum seekers' own eventual path to citizenship. I, I mean, yes. Yeah, the, yeah. talk about kind of layers of irony. Incredible, but it, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, it, but it it's comes back to how stupid it was. It's, just, it's incredibly right. stupid. Yep. It's stupid and it's Tell just me. a theater of cruelty. You know, it is, you know, so he can get the benefit of being on some, you know, primary debates stage in the 24 cycle and saying, you know, of all the people you know, now running for president, I was the most hard line on the non-existent threat of that's it. immigration. It's oh, it it's is so true. Dumb. And, and, you know, <laughs> it, I think back to, to nine years ago when the, the Senate gang of eight was going to have their immigration reform bill and Marco Rubio was doing it. And I yep. remember uh, I remember I'm old enough to remember Sean Hannity every night saying it's not amnesty. It's not amnesty. It's a real solution. And then right. when they saw how much the base hated it in focus groups, the very next night, Hannity was attacking this amnesty plan and Marco Rubio walked away. It's like yep. the Republican Party can't win nationally without immigrant votes, but it seems like they can't win on a state level without immigrant hate. Yeah, it is a real quandary, but, you know, they've managed via gerrymandering and, and the, you know, sort of imbalances baked into the Constitution via the Electoral College and, you know, um, the Senate by extension um, to game it so that, you know, you 
once you get this kind of vice-like control on power in the states, you can leverage everything from there. Um, you know, there's this famous anecdote um, from the 80s, speaking of Reagan, uh, the Heritage Foundation hosted a big strategic, you know, gathering of right-wing donors. And one of them reportedly said to the other, you know, okay, I've got the Soviet Union, you have the states. And they, you know, they march forward and eventually, you know, both ends were achieved for the right. Right now, there is only one state legislature in Michigan that's prospectively in play in the 2022 uh, cycle that might go Republican to Democrat. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> it, it has to do with right wing state legislatures drawing up electoral maps across the country. Yeah. You know, I'll get off to Sanders in a second, but I, I have sure. to ask you, I mean, how do you see this playing out for his presidential race? Because the, the I consume a lot of right wing media and um, they've they're they're just waiting for Donald Trump to be done away with there. It seems like from Mitch McConnell on down, they're waiting for the Democrats to do their dirty right. work on Trump or waiting for Letitia James to do it so they can just have this coronation. They they don't want to ever go against Trump because they don't want to alienate the fan base they need. But they right. desperately want DeSantis, and some of them are just already proclaiming. I mean, Matt Schlapp has already coronated him. How do you see that playing out over the next year and a half, considering most Americans haven't yet learned um, what a dumpy, awful speaker Ron DeSantis is and his <laughs> incredible lack of charisma? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, first of all, I got out of the I, – I never – got into really the prognosticating business and 2016 should be a Fair lesson enough. for us all about that. Um, however, yes. um, I do think, you know, and again, I think this episode sort of illustrates that there's a, a kind of, you know, everything that DeSantis does kind of reeks of desperation. Um, you know, before this, he was on, you know, he was, claiming to find critical race theory propaganda in, in math textbooks in Florida. He moved from that to yep. don't say gay and anti-trans stuff. He's kind of hopscotching yep. across the right-wing demagoguery, you know, twister board here. And uh, yes, the thing, you know, Trump does sort of make all of the contradictions of the right-wing movement weirdly palatable to the base. You know, no one expects him to he be... Does honest because he's a former you know real estate baron and reality tv host those are people who lie for a living you know no one yes. expects him to you know kind of represent anything resembling the private interest he's venality personified you know what you see is very much what you get uh, with people who aren't yes. trump and we saw this remember in 2016 there was this like weird you know speaking of desperation like Marco Rubio started to try out Trump one-liners on debate stages, and they just flopped. You know, That's they right. were horrible. Um, Marco so. Rubio was doing dick jokes against Trump before Trump yep. was doing dick jokes against anyone. He was the first Republican to do a dick joke. It's it's really, really true. And, you know, it, it says so much about the decline of our republic that this is what we are discussing at this moment. But yes. Well, yeah. I mean, it says so much about the decline of a republic that these that these empty suits can be elected. But you you really yeah. nail it in a, a new piece this week about a, something that's very close to my heart. Trump's embrace of QAnon realizes the dream of the religious right for evangelicals and conservative Christians. The former president's cult like rallies have placed their ritualized militancy at the center of American politics. I like to say that Donald Trump is sort of like Jesus to followers of Jesus who don't give a rat's ass about the actual teachings of Jesus. Right. And I mean, of all the <laughs> Which is increasingly um, Jesus you know, to call out what the evangelical movement is. Right. Not only are they sort of besotted with power and all about getting right wing justices on the Supreme Court to, you know, get get rid of bodily autonomy for women. Um, but they don't you know, there was a survey I briefly quoted in that piece um, taken among evangelicals in which a majority of them no longer believe in original sin, a significant plurality don't really believe in the divinity of Jesus. Um, it's, you know, uh, we are witnessing the, the sort of transformation of, um, you know, a, a movement of religious doctrine into a, an abject cult of power. Um, and, you know, again, yes. Donald Trump is there to meet their needs and he is getting a lot out of that social contract as well, because as we were saying earlier, 
he's in a you know tight spot right now and it is feeling um you know like the walls are closing in and so at this rally in columbus um that debuted this infamous uh QAnon theme song and and trump going through this kind of weird altar call of everything that's going wrong in america under joe biden um there was just this um you know, um, and the the crowd instantly recognized what was happening and raised their their fingers in this newfangled QAnon salute. And yes, I think what was that about, this sir? is the next iteration of, of what's happening on the right that people aren't really paying a lot of attention to because we are so fixated on the person of Trump. But there are things like this Reawaken America tour, which uh, Michael Flynn and Roger Stone are barnstorming through the country on. And they're, you know, it's, a, it's a allegedly about the horrors of Q or of uh, COVID suppression from the the demon state and all that. But they're doing baptisms at these things. They are religious they're political baptisms at these things um, of a kind that we yes. haven't really seen before. And it's an interesting and terrifying transmogrification. <laughs> Um, I agree. I, I call these folks, I call them grab them by the pussy evangelicals. Uh, but, but, you know, you, you actually, yes. can Can you explain to me what what this, there's a certain book out that's on the MAGA bestseller list by a gentleman named Helgard Muller called Donald J. Trump, Son of Man, the Christ. Is it true? Yeah, no, it's a, it is a straightforward um, case that, um, you know, um, they haven't gotten to the point where, Trump is officially unseating Jesus yet. So the the argument, as I understand it, is that he is, you know, a second, second coming, as it were, and a, a sort of subsidiary. Yeah. It's always been a problem for the uh, evangelical right in America that obviously America is is no figures nowhere in the Bible. Um, this is why I Correct. think Joseph Smith felt compelled to put the Book of Mormon together. It's it's why, you know, there's been this this kind of, uh, again, desperation among um, evangelical right wingers to make America the, the main theater of, you know, of, of eschatological action. Um, so, yes. you know, Trump is providing, you know, um, for very imaginative <laughs> theological thinkers, a kind of blank canvas to sort of play around with this this notion right. and, you know, reinterpret, you know, and they can always recur to, you know, King David in the Bible was a flawed vessel. You know, they don't have to be morally well, outstanding yeah, and all Cyrus. that. God just, you know, yeah. chooses people according to an kind of inscrutable plan for history. So, yeah. In other um, words, a lot of bullshit because is, they, they, they can't actually talk about the Nazarene. They can't actually talk about Jesus. They can't, they're not yeah. here to talk about love and helping the poor, helping the sick, being kind to prisoners, welcoming the stranger. There's right, no welcoming the stranger. Of Speaking of immigration, yes. Um, they, yeah, so now, they, they really fight now, for the unauthorized it, 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 You do have to discard, you know, pretty much the entire existing body of Jesus' teaching to make things square. Yes. With, you know, the policy program of the evangelical right. And they're doing it. They really are. Um, and QAnon, you know, well, you, for, I think, you know, again, sort of in the DC cognoscenti, QAnon just seems like a, you know, crazy out there fringe belief. And it belongs, you know, in the darkest, you know, un, <laughs> unexplored corners of the internet, but it is very much um, moving into the mainstream of, evangelical Christianity. Um, I interviewed for the piece an old friend of mine, Jeff Charlotte, who has written this great book, The Family on the Evangelical Right, and has been attending Trump rallies since 2016 and is, you know, uh, writing a book of his own uh, about all this. And he said, you know, you go to um, not major churches, but mid-sized churches and sort of mid mid-sized cities in um the interior of the country and uh QAnon um beliefs are everywhere you know people will just take talk as though it's you know everyone knows that hillary clinton is already dead let alone that john f kennedy yes. jr is coming back or J jfk senior is coming back um it's it's yes. yeah it's a very again under the radar um development you know jeff compared it to the moment when amazon was quietly opening bookstores 
all across the country and no one noticed. And suddenly you look around and there are Amazon bookstores everywhere. <laughs> um, that's the dynamic he's, he sees with QAnon and, and the old line evangelical right. Well, let me ask you about that, because you have a great line in the piece where you say, you know, though Trump is now romancing the QAnon cult in a more overt manner, those broader currents of evangelical cultural and political thinking have long been leading to this convergence of interests on the right. I agree. But would you say that the fact that Trump is now romancing the QAnon cult in a more overt manner, considering that he's already got the complete blind devotion of that slice of the American populace, and he's not casting a wider net for people who didn't vote for him last time, does it seem like Trump groveling before the people that already worship him does that speak to a desperation on your part? He he really doesn't need to go for the core base. He's got them. He's yeah, kind of but you're, to I mean, expand his appeal, and he doesn't seem to want to. Yeah, but I, it's always the case, I think, that conventional uh, political calculations just don't apply to Donald Trump. You know, I, I, I think um, he is always out, you know, it, it was true of his entire business career prior to him becoming president. He is always out to sort of exact maximum abjection from everyone in his sphere. And, you know, we've seen it. You've, mm. You're going to have Michael Cohen on the, the show later uh, in the week. And, you know, he, he bears very yes. eloquent testimony to that sort of strategy in, in Trump's private sector life. And. So, yeah, I don't think he's I mean, yeah, he feels desperate in the sense that, you know, the law is sort of catching up with him slowly. And he does feel DeSantis may be outflanking him on his, you know, traditional shtick. Um, but I think yeah. his instinct isn't so much desperation as it's just, you know, blind narcissism. He wants, you know, the only reason he wanted to become yes. president in the first place was to sort of broker his, you know, branding empire onto a new global um, platform. So that's I I don't think, you know, the the thing about Donald Trump, my friend David Ross says this all the time is uh, Donald Trump never changes. There is absolutely nothing about his character that has altered over the past 72 years. And it's true. I, you know, uh, even before I started working at The Nation, they sadistically made me review six Trump biographies for an assignment. And my God, they they were the most boring goddamn books you can ever imagine because, you know, it's just, you know, the one principle that Donald Trump will do anything to advance his ego interest is just lodged and it just plays out over and over and over again like this tape loop. So, yeah, I think what's interesting, and I actually interviewed for another piece, uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin last night, and he said, you know, what you also have to look out for is, you know, if Trump feels cornered enough and the the GOP takes the House in the upcoming midterms, Trump can, you know, and and Representative Raskin presented this as a very straightforward proposition, Trump will try to position himself to be Speaker of the House because you don't actually, turns out, have to be a member (laughs) to be Speaker. And, you know, Representative Raskin said that uh, this is what he does. He will do anything to shield his, you know, self-interest. And right now he feels super threatened. So that that is what we might prepare ourselves for is the next move. Go and squeeze a few more dimes out of the folks you've squeezed plenty of dimes out of. Chris yeah, Lemon, it is such well, a pleasure to have um, you on the show. Please come back and see us any time. Uh, what's the best way for our listeners, sir, to follow you and keep up with your work? Oh, I guess um, Twitter. <laughs> Duh. Uh, and it's Lehman Chris, L-E-H-M-A-N-N, Chris, at um, Twitter.com, um, or at Lehman Chris. Brilliant. You can tell I use it a lot, right? <laughs> Um, and well, obviously, what's in, your next? What's nation, your next article? Which is a fine publication uh, online and in print. Right on. What are you writing next? What's your next piece about? Uh, it is about the midterms and uh, the debut of uh, the commitment to America, uh, which uh, Kevin McCarthy um, brought before the world last week, um, and how that's going to play out in the, the weeks ahead. 
Well, I'm sure your article will have a lot more specifics than the actual commitment does. Chris Lane, <laughs> well, it's such a pleasure. It's a low bar, Thank you for all the work you. you do with the nation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Come see us again anytime, and thanks for staying up late. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment with your calls all the way until midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific. Comedian Rhonda Hansom joins us in the next hour as well to take your calls. And Smackdown fascists, we are at 866-997-4748, and we will be right back. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. We are at 866-997-4748. I want to get to your calls, but first... It's Chris. When Chris clears his throat, it means I've got to drop what I'm working on and, and bend the knee. Go ahead, Chris. Yes, sir. Well, I, I just want to admit that I still find it insane that Johnny Appleseed was a real person. A real person. Um, because I always seem to me like drove all the worms out of Ireland. I American folklore things. It's like you know, the, you see, like remember, like the cartoon. Was it a Disney cartoon? Some there was like these like this this sure. goofball in overalls with a, a pan for a hat, just tossing apple seeds. But it was like he was a real <laughs> he was a real person, and, and he really did that. He introduced apple trees to Pennsylvania and Ohio and Indiana. Yes, yeah, he was a great environmentalist before that was even a word. It's just bonkers to me that. And you know, we can plant trees too. We're allowed to do that. We need to plant about a trillion of them. Um, can I ask you a question, Chris? Who is Kirsten Cinema's audience at this point? Like, among Democrats in her home state, she's 20 points underwater. She's 18 points underwater with Republicans, and she's 10 points underwater with independents. It is very rare that a sitting senator is that unpopular with the whole trifecta. Sure. Who, who is her audience at when this point? You, as a comedian, you are very familiar with the, the uh, corporate gigs, right? Where yes. You get, you get paid a lot of oh, money to go speak to, like, uh, 500 Pepsi shareholders at a conference in Cleveland. I might have done one or two, but not more than that. Yes, <clears throat> that's her audience. <laughs> she's she's doing the corporate yeah. gigs, corporate circuit. donors. Yeah, corporate donors. That's her audience. Yeah, Bernie's I'm, still doing the college what? tours, He's right? And, and she cinema's doing the corporate circuit. You know what, Chris? I've moved my home studio in my house, but uh, I don't have the bell with me. But if I did, I'd ring it right now because she was uh, in the state of Kentucky today. You know, Kirsten Cinema in the last three years hasn't done a single town hall. For her constituents back in Arizona, but she found time to go and do a love fest with Mitch McConnell today. Uh, and she and Mitch had nothing but praise for one another today at the University of Louisville's McConnell Center. She was invited to speak. Uh, and here she's noting that she and Mitch aren't very similar, but they're also pretty much the same fucking person at this point. A3. You know, at first glance, Senator McConnell and I have relatively little or some could even say nothing in common. For starters, he drinks bourbon. I drink wine. He's from the Southeast, and I'm from the Great Southwest. He wears suits and ties, and I uh, wear dresses and these fierce sneakers. And perhaps most obviously, we come from opposing political parties. But despite our apparent differences, Senator McConnell and I have forged a friendship, one that is rooted in our commonalities, including our pragmatic approach to legislating, our respect for the Senate as an institution, our love for our home states, 
and a dogged determination on behalf of our constituents. This woman used to walk around protesting the Iraq war with a bullhorn wearing a tutu, and she dated Keith Olbermann, which we all know now because Keith felt it was necessary to tweet that today. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you're right, Chris. Who is that speech for? No one but the expensive Republican donors Mitch McConnell has urged to give heavily to Senator Cinema because she has helped him in blocking Joe Biden's agenda. Almost every step of the way, he said today, she which translates to, she is, in my view, one of the most effective first-term senators I've seen in my time in the Senate. Arizonans understand, while we may not agree on everything, we do share the same values. Here is Kirsten Cinema, uh, the meat of her speech, the part that will really blow your hair back. Are you ready? I'm playing this to get you upset. Here's the section where she not only defends the filibuster, but loudly wishes it could be expanded even more. It's become politicized intensely in recent years. Our last president wanted to eliminate it every couple of days. Our current president talks about it on Twitter all the time. They're both wrong. They're both wrong. Because if we were to give in to that moment of wanting just what you want, the reversal that would come in a year or two years would not only be bad for the American body, it'd be bad for businesses, it'd be bad for state and local governments, and it'd be bad for us as Americans to think that we should always feed our short-term desires rather than thinking about the long-term. What? So not only am I committed to the 60-vote threshold, I have an incredibly unpopular view. I actually think we should restore the 60-vote threshold for the areas in which it has been eliminated already. We should restore it. Yeah, not everyone likes that. Um, because it would make it harder. It would make it harder for us to confirm judges. Okay, no. And it would make it harder for us to confirm executive appointments in each administration. But I believe that if we did restore it, we would actually see more of that middle ground in all parts of our governance, which is what I believe our forefathers intended. And who controls the middle ground? Okay, where to begin? I mean, where to be? Just what you, if you can't get just what you wanted, you know, 81 million people voted for Biden's agenda. No one's ever gotten more votes for any political office. And she calls that feeding our short-term desires. It's against taxing, taxing the rich more. She was against Medicare covering vision, hearing, and dental. Kirsten Cinema was against letting the government negotiate for lower drug prices. She was against paid family leave. <laughs> if you can't get just what you wanted, no, it's what the voters in your own state wanted. Can we play one more? Here she is holding forth on another GOP TED poll. Here's Senator Cinema on border control and immigration. And ask yourself, what party does she want to represent? There is a challenge that I, that I still want to accomplish. And um, it's close to home for me. You know, I was born and raised near the border in southern Arizona. And for my entire lifetime, the federal government has absolutely failed. Absolutely failed in its charter um, to protect our border. Uh, we have not had a secure border my entire life. And right now in our country, we have a shortage of workers. So we need to bring immigrants into this country to meet jobs from the very basic, like picking lettuce in Yuma, Arizona, where 90% of the lettuce of this country comes from. But we also need geniuses who are gonna do the physics and the engineering to help us be competitive in this global economy. And right now, we can't recruit the talent that we need in this country through legal means, because the immigration system is so broken. So I would love to be able to adjust our immigration system so that we're legally bringing in good people who want to be a part of this country to fill those jobs across our spectrum and also to ensure that we actually have security on our border because right now we do not. Okay, so it, let, let's point this out. Um, one of her likely opponents is Congressman Ruben Gallego from Arizona, who already attacked cinema. And he accused her of wanting to see the Democrats lose Congress in the midterms with a speech like this. So I guess I should thank her because, my God, it, like just with her having another kissy face episode with the Republicans, she has just given so much new footage for campaign commercials to whoever primaries her in 2024. And when I say whoever primaries her, I mean 
whoever knocks her out of office on the Democratic side in 2024. I'm sorry for the crash during that. My cat, Mickey, got so angry he jumped on a shelf and knocked off a planter. See, even even animals are upset by Kirsten Cinema. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back. Hey, here's a trivia question. What is still the poorest state in the union with the most people struggling, the most poverty? Maybe, let's say, their biggest city that's 80% black has brown gunk coming out instead of water from the tap? Mississippi. That's the answer. And Brett Favre has been accused of playing a role in the, uh, let's call it the misappropriation of like $8 million in funds intended for welfare recipients in his home state of Mississippi. Uh, Did I mention this was public funds? And people are calling for his removal from the Hall of Fame. Sirius XM uh, has already dropped him uh, from his weekly show amid this amid this uh, Mississippi welfare fraud scandal. Uh, Rhonda, I, I hate to say it, but I'd be willing to bet money that Brett Favre uh, walks between the raindrops on this one. I don't see him doing any time. I don't see him being held accountable. He's too he's, it's he's the, too it's popular an NFL guy. So many ways, John. Not only is he appropriating the money, he wants to get. Uh, prisoners to do free work. That's the cheapest labor to make volleyball lockers. I mean, these people are find every which way to uh, to scam and grift and regular people, real people can't even get close to this kind of money. And 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 it looks like the system wants him to walk between the raindrops. It's unbelievable. Brett Favre, he voted. He, he announced he was voting for Trump in 2020, right? And he, he said that uh, kneeling players who are protesting racism caused turmoil. Uh, he said it was hard to believe that Derek Chauvin meant to kill George Floyd. And now we know from yesterday, from this new filing, that this guy not only knew he was taking funds that were meant for poor families, he also knew it was illegal. I mean, ESPN Milwaukee has paused his weekly radio appearances about this. I, I, I. I mean, I see it hurting his image, but, you know, this is on the whole crooked government of the state of Mississippi to me. They're actually trying to figure out uh, nobody in the press is going to hear about this. Uh, this this conversation isn't being recorded, is it? I mean, it, it's the height. It's the height of grifting. And uh, I, I'm really sick of it, John. I, I want I, I want to get in on this. <laughs> <laughs> 